The wet snow continued, melting upon impact. It transformed the roads into thick mud walkways. Tapper, Carling Bearer, and Kirkin made their way toward the west wall willow. Each step took effort as their boots sunk into the soft ground. A step at the wrong angle, and they would be marching to negotiate barefoot. Annoyance with the demon's ubiquitous drumming no longer consumed Dunsmere's thoughts. There were some positives to the situation. Dunsmere walked behind the three of them, giving a wide berth. His gold-trimmed black armor glinted even in the gray of the afternoon. He was troubled by the distance from the trio which he kept. He was ordered to keep. Brother Charlure said it would be best if he stayed back far enough to not appear a threat. It wasn't that far, she said. He could cover ground quickly, she wagered. Not that quickly, he assured her, so she ordered him to do it. The plan was for the three of them to approach. Tapper, an outsider to show neutrality. Carling Bear and Kirkin, druids who could speak in their shared druidic tongue, but who, as children, showed no threat. They would offer a partnership. The druids would receive protection of the church and some land for themselves wherever they chose. This land would also be under the church's protection for five generations. It was a bargain that Mother Charlure assured everyone she had the authority to negotiate. In return, the druids would open the green path to the church and to those who took sanctuary in the cathedral. None, except for the children, believed in their hearts that the red-leaf druids actually could perform such an action. If they could, why had they not? However, there was strategic advantage in making allies. Tapper was more right than Dunsmere was willing to admit. He hoped that all three assemblies could fight the demons and dragons together, of course. Once broken, they could be reforged through the fire of imminent death to stand up to this greater threat. A tale for the ages, he was sure. At one point, that would have been a good death for Dunsmere. No longer. Druids of the Red Leaf Grove, Tapper said. We come as peaceful inhabitants of Tux Edge. Well, them more than me, since, as you must know, I am a caravanner right now, working on becoming an inhabitant, merchant, citizen, to be specific. The fierce eyes of Arda appeared behind the makeshift wall. Vines and other foliage consumed the wall with a swift, almost imperceptible pace, proclaiming the druid's ownership. Arda was painted now, a deep purple band across her eyes. In her hand was a staff, knotted and fierce. It looked uneven and heavy. Yet in her hand, she moved it like an extension of her arm. She spoke druidic. The words were foreign, but the tone familiar. The Red Leaf were not interested in speaking and offended at the offer. Kirkin spoke back in druidic. On his small belt was a dagger, which the young boy clutched for comfort. His hand around the pommel, his voice echoed through the town in direct contrast to his size. Dunsmere was terrified for the children. Once they lived through this, he would tell them how proud he was. If they all lived through this. Whatever Kirkin said, Arda was not impressed. She snarled and screamed back at the three. Carling Bear took a step forward toward Arda. A finger pointed at the red-leaf druid, his voice loud enough to rival her cries. Dunsmere felt that immediate pride at Carling Bear's step. He was horrified at the consequences, of course. He did, however, have a small hand in raising such a courageous child. 
The arrow pierced Carling's hand with the frenetic violence of lightning splitting a tree. Where did it come from? Not the druids. Arda's face betrayed the horror she felt at seeing a child's pain. The flight of the arrow was horizontal. Not the demons, then. From the alley, Dunsmere started running. His warhammer and sword were in his hands. When did he draw them? Another arrow shot from the alley. A foreign arrow. Not made by the local Fletcher, though made by a craftsman. Its twin whistled close behind. He wasn't going to make it in time to protect the boys and Tapper. Theus, uniter of men and father of our world, Dunsmere prayed. Saint Allegius, protector and patron. May your divine rage break free today and reforge tomorrow. Open the gate, Arda yelled. Get them in. Now. Was she kidnapping them? Was she protecting them? He couldn't worry about that. Arda was clearly disgusted by the violence done toward Carlang Bear. She'd keep the children safe. A weight, unnoticed only moments before, lifted from his chest. Good. Dunsmere could focus on the bloodbath to come. There were two of them, Red Hand heretics. With feline grace, the sandy-haired elf leapt out of his path. In a blur, she dropped her bow, tore her mace from her belt, and smashed it into the back of his head. A deed so unlikely that Dunsmere questioned if he had angered St. Allegis. His saint's protective hand was nowhere to be found. Mud rushed through the eye holes of his helmet. It fluttered up around his nose. It wasn't draining out the bottom. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't move either. What happened? St. Allegis, he prayed. Please, forgive my transgressions and protect me. Was this how he was going to die? With each passing moment not being able to move, Dunsmere's mind raced. Was this it? After all he'd lived through? An unlikely blow? Paralysis? An unfortunate angle and it was all over? If this were the end, Dunsmere prayed that his death be used to show Theos glory. How could that be, though? As a cautionary tale? Don't be like dead Dunsmere, they'd say. He's so stupid, he drowned in his own helmet. In the middle of an alley at that. Deep water nowhere to be found. Just a little rainwater. Drowned dumb Dunsmere. Echoing through his head, his heartbeat crashed with cacophonous abandon. Lungs screamed as they processed the last bit of air they possessed. Then he lifted his head. He wasn't paralyzed. Dunsmere ripped the helmet off, allowing the mud to cascade down with a squelch. He devoured the air. His lungs were silent, and the only sound in his head was the thought, Blessed be Saint Allegis. Praise to Theos. They had not abandoned him. This may have been a lesson, one that he would examine later. Dunsmere grabbed his warhammer, comfortable in his hand, eyes open, scanning for the enemy. Through mud-clumped eyelashes, he saw the human red hand screaming from the ground, the top half of his left hand replaced by a confusion of spurting blood and jagged bone. The elven heretic screamed in frustration as a chestnut wolf sidestepped her attempt at combat. Those screams transformed from frustration to pain as the wolf's steel trap of a mouth removed a quarter of the heretic's thigh. Dunsmere stood over the human heretic with only one hand. Quickly, he removed the heretic's good hand at the wrist, his sword a knife through cream. Terror morphed the heretic's face as he fought the reality of his body's new form. Joy filled Dunsmere's heart at this attempted child killer's pain. 
The Warhammer ended the human's living nightmare with a mercy absent from the paladin's heart. Saint Allegis must have guided the weapon. Dunsmere intended to leave that filth and pain for as long as possible. The once lucky elfin heretic screamed as she flailed. Chaotic arms wheeled in wide swings to fight gravity's pull. Gravity won. There was a squelch as her body embedded into the soft mud. The chestnut wolf pounced on its prey. The red hand screaming stopped. In the wolf's jaws was the bloody mess that used to be the heretic's throat. The wolf came up to Dunsmere, who placed a gauntleted hand on her head. She nuzzled into his palm, and he could feel the affection through his armor. Good job, Alice, he said. Wolf Alice gave Dunsmere a canine smile. The windpipe hung from her jaw like wet rawhide. Her eyes darted to the sky, warning of danger. A screech above chilled Dunsmere. Laverne's two of them. Every nerve in his body twitched as Marat Hull's large dragon came to meet the two flying wyverns. Lightning exploded from the staves. The air sizzled around them. Run, he yelled. He plodded at top speed. The mud and his heavy metal armor slowed his every step. Dunsmere looked over his shoulder. The three flying beasts hovered in the same location. The riders watched the town like cruel children staring down an anthill, observing biding their time, fascinated by the small world they would eventually destroy. Alice yelped in pain. Her lupine howl transformed to the scream of a young girl. The druid writhed in the mud, an arrow sticking in her hip, announcing its brutality. Water, the color of sick, pulled up around her small body. A prayer of healing on his lips, Dunsmere ran to her. Alice cried a little as the divine power healed her broken hip. The arrow fell to the ground in a silent retreat, muffled by the mud. Freezing rain came in sporadic, pregnant droplets. Alice was very light in his arms. She curled into a ball with ferocity, as though the tension in her body created a protective wall around her. Did you see that? The paladin healed a pagan child, Tobias bellowed from behind Dunsmere. Do you believe that Theos would heal a pagan child? Of course not. He would not allow his power to heal those who would reject him. Only his servants. This is a sign of the demons helping demons. A throng erupted from behind the paladin and the child. Cries of, Theos damned them. Pagans deserve death. Heretics, pagans. Twenty people, at least Dunsmere judged. How had they gathered so many so quickly? Those were not the cries of new arrivals. Those were cries of people anticipating this moment. Arrows accompanied those cries. The pine projectiles whistled as they tore through the sky. Death knells announcing their mortal collision milliseconds before gravity ripped them toward the earth. I believe in the one god Theos. Dunsmere chanted the Detolian Creed, protector of all peoples who are his children and master over the world. The great sea and the great isle are in his care. An arrow slammed into his calf. His lower leg was pinned to the ground. A cry of frustration escaped his lips. One of pain rushed to follow. Alice rolled into a somersault as Dunsmere's arms flung back on instinct to grab the arrow. Valiant's hoofbeats were a relief. The arrow burned as he tore the shaft from his leg. The jagged arrowhead tore through the muscles as he extracted the missile. Stupid. Should have broken it off, not removed it. The brothers and sisters of St. Elegis shouldn't be focused on healing one of their own. Dunsmere prayed a quick healing spell for his leg. 
Each prayer took its toll. Being a divine vessel was exhilarating as it was exhausting. No more stupid mistakes. He stumbled forward. Alice was in his arms again. Good, that was a relief. Valiant was there, slowing, not stopping. Alice slid out of his arms onto Valiant. Her exhausted tiny hands were white-knuckled, the reins of his mount in a death grip. Valiant would protect her, Dunsmere knew. He had to make sure the boys were safe. Arrows rained down around him. The makeshift wall of the red-leaf druids was closed. The mud made every step heavier than the last. Arda, Dunsmere cried. Open your gate. I mean no harm. Her eyes pierced from behind the wall. Arda looked at him as though he were an animal, a life form beneath her. Arda, he cried. The yells of the red hand were closer. Dunsmere lusted for the battle to come, but the boy's safety came first. The druid gave him no reply. The boys, Kirkin, Carling Bear, are you well? Yes, Kirkin yelled. We are not demons, Arda said. We do not harm druid children. This was a path he could not unblock. An arrow whistled that slammed into the makeshift wall. Dunsmere pivoted toward the heretics. Today this town will be cleansed of those who mock the name of Theos. It will, brother Dunsmere. It will indeed, Tobias sneered. Lightning tore through a number of red hand. Black arrows rained. A scorpion-like tail pierced one of the heretics. Dunsmere heard Kirkin and Carling Bear scream. Then he was off the ground. In the air, he couldn't move. Theo save him. The dragon gripped Dunsmere in its claw. Thanks for listening to What Happened at Tuck's Edge, Part 5. Dunsmere, created by Benjamin Floyd. Written, produced, and edited by Alexander Floyd. Music from filmmusic.io. Cinematic Suspense Series Episode 4 by Sasha End. Blood Eagle by Alexander Nakarada. And our story begins all by Kevin McLeod and Copatech.com. License under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 Licenses. CreativeCommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash buy forward slash 4.0.